All right. Well, that starts next week, our feature presentation. It is a very creative and uh, it, like um, Logan was saying, it's a great service to bring your friends and neighbors. And um, I feel like I don't know if I should apologize for coming to church this morning or not, but this is, this is a lot of fun. Um, all of you TAG students, welcome to One Chapel Lake Travis, you guys. Um, I feel a little kind of lopsided here. The age factor on this side is a little bit older than on here, but it's great to have all of you here this morning. Um, those of you who are new, welcome to church. Uh, we've been doing this um, a series around here that we're calling Legacy, and every year we do a series around one of our four values, and if you're new here to One Chapel, you need to know that uh, we want to take you on a spiritual journey uh, because our vision is all about take, helping people move um, from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's the vision of what we have as a church. And, and so that journey starts with you experiencing God. We want you to experience God for yourself. We want you to know him, not just know about him, but actually to know him, to encounter him, to experience him for yourself. And as well, we want you to then find freedom. We don't want you to be able to settle your yesterdays and the things that are bugging you today. And we do that primarily through groups, and the two primary groups that we do this in is Bondage Breakers, which addresses your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups and all sorts of addictions that will tend to hold us back, as well as Catalyst. Catalyst is our, our internal discipleship program, which is all about this um, taking a step forward in your journey with God and addressing the things that keep us from moving forward. And then we want you to discover purpose. We want you to understand and know why God created you. When you were put inside of you, your, your talents and your gifts, we want you to discover why God did that for you, what he had in mind when he created you, and then we want you to make a difference. And that's what this legacy series is all about. Again, legacy means something such as a tradition or problem that exists as a result of something that happened in the past. It's something that someone has achieved that continues to exist after they stop working or die. And so we've been talking about this over the last several weeks that you will leave a legacy. One way or another, you're going to leave a legacy. The question is, what are you going to leave? When your life is over, whether you've lived 100 years or whether you lived 10 years or 20 years, whatever it is, what is your legacy going to be? Look at how the psalmist describes the legacy in Psalms 112, verse 5. It says, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. Then notice this. It says, good will come to him. How many want to have good come to you? <laughs> come on, don't we? We want good to come to us. But notice what it says. It says, good will come to him who is what? Generous and lends freely. And so that means that we need to learn how to live our lives in such a way that what comes into our lives, that we don't just spend it all on ourselves. Um, but we actually live our lives where we are making a difference. And not only in our generosity, but also in the way we live our life. Look at the next phrase. Who conducts his affairs with justice. In other words, I'm going to live my life in such a way that it's intentional about how I live. 
that I'm not just going to go through this life, but I'm going to be intentional about how I live. I'm going to be intentional in my interaction with others. I'm going to be intentional about how I am in my classes. I'm going to be intentional about how I am in school. I'm going to be intentional about how I interact with other people. And then look at the next verse, verse 6. Surely he will never be shaken. Now, this is really interesting because he's get really get, he's giving us this formula for how for us to not be shaken. But here's the thing. You can't control whether or not there's going to be shaking. We all experienced this this last week with Sutherland um, Springs with that shooting there. And, and whether it's last week or the week before, all you have to do is turn on your TV and there's tragedy everywhere. There's terrorism everywhere. This world is in chaos. But here's the thing you need to understand. You can remain unshaken. In the midst of shaking happening around you, you can remain unshaken, which means if you don't find out what your life is all about, if you don't define why you're on this planet, if you don't define what you're going to do intentionally, if you don't define that you're going to make a difference, then your problems will define you. This world will define you. Terrorism will define you. You hear what I'm saying? If we don't define what our lives are about intentionally, then the world will define you. But then look at the next verse. It says, a righteous man will be remembered forever. See, folks, that's how we want to live our lives, right? We don't want to live our lives in such a way where our lives live on. And that's what legacy is all about. Legacy is about when your life lives on. Legacy is where I'm living beyond myself. See, folks, what you do for yourself usually dies with you. But what we do for others lives beyond us. Did you hear me? What we do for ourselves will end up dying with us, but what you do for others will live beyond you. And what I've discovered over the years is that none of us are as good as all of us. You know what I'm saying? None of us are as good as all of us. In other words, there's so much more that we can do together than we could ever do by ourselves. And you need to know that already as a church, as, a, as one chapel, and one chapel Austin, one chapel Kyle, and one chapel Lake Travis, that as a church, we have given more already this year to missions than we have ever before in the history of one chapel. And that's all because of your generosity. We support 20 international missions um, and missionaries and mission organization and 10 local mission organization. And it's because of your generosity that we're able to really spread and be a part of spreading the gospel um, internationally as well. Already this year, we've had 118 people come to Christ. Come on, folks. Put your hand together for that. 118 people have made decisions to come to Christ. And if you're one of them, welcome home. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, well, welcome home as well. We've had 83 people water baptized this year. Come on, put your hands together for that one as well. There's been so much that's gone on just for us as a church. You know, for us, One Chapel Lake Travis and for One Chapel Kyle, we started two services here this fall to make room for additional people as our churches were, were growing. And across One Chapel, um, we now have 674 people serving on Team One. 
Team One is all what we, the ministry that we use to serve. And so that's the ushers and the worship teams and the greeters and the, the coffee people and the children's workers. That's Team One. There's 674 people who've gotten. And if you're on Team One, I just want to applaud you because you get it. You, you're, you're, you're getting this in your heart that this isn't just about you just about you being a consumer, but you actually coming to church and wanting to serve, wanting to give and help other people. And, and I think this was so profoundly illustrated two weeks, two weeks ago with Falltober. We had almost 2,000 people here on this property. Almost 2,000 people came here on this property, and it took an army to make that happen. And so well done, everybody. Come on, give yourself a hand. For that. It made our, our parking people a little bit crazy because we completely out-parked this whole street over here. We ran out of parking spots, and we were parking here on 71, which is not a good thing, but boy, what is it? it was a lot of fun if we were able to be here. So I think it's just so true. None of us are as good as all of us. There's so much more that we can do together than you could ever do by yourself. And I love it when you be able to see this, this whole factor coming together. And I mentioned this before, that this is what this legacy offering is about. You, you should have had one of these on your, your chairs. I'm giving this to you now because in, in four weeks, on December 10th, that's when we do our legacy offering. We do this once a year. And the legacy offering is all about taking a giant step forward in the vision that God has for us as a church. It's an offering that goes above and beyond what we would normally give in our tithes and offerings on a weekly basis. And so we take one offering during the holiday season that's all about taking this big step. And I, I've mentioned this before, that one of our values as a church is church planting. And so every penny that you give, um, 2%, every time you give, 2% of that goes towards church planting. We set that aside because we have the value of wanting to church plant in this entire Austin region. I said this before, that there's only 4.7 churches per 10,000 people in the Austin area. Only 4.7 churches. The national average is 12 churches per 10,000 people. So we're way behind. And so we need to be in the business of church planting. It takes about $100,000 to $150,000 to plant a church. And so throughout the year, we're just storing it away. We're looking at next year, two different locations next year, potentially of being able to plant churches next year. And, and so what this legacy offering does, it, it takes huge, it, it's a huge step forward because we're going to dump a bunch of money from the legacy offering in the ability of being able to do more church plants. As well, I said this before, that 10% of everything you give immediately goes to missions, local, national, and international missions. But what this legacy offering does is we've been vetting out a bunch of the missionaries, mission organizations that are doing things, and we just want to come alongside and bless them even more. The things that God's put in their heart, we just want to give more into what they are doing. And so that's one of, one of the things that we're wanting to accomplish with this legacy offering. As well, there's a couple things that we're specifically targeting for this year. One has to do with all of our young people because we want to purchase this next year two church vans to help transport our young people back and forth to different places because a lot of these students live way up north Austin, some live all the way down south and then down in Kyle. And so be able to transport them to camps and retreats like this as well as to what we do on the first Wednesday of the month, month which is 
where all the tag comes together um, for one service. We have the value that's important that young people know that they're not alone. And so we as adults, we need to come alongside of them. And so that's why we want to purchase a couple of vans this next year as well. Another thing that we want to do this, um, with this legacy offering is just up the road is West Cypress Hills Elementary School. And we want to bless financially every single teacher. And so we're going to give financially to every single teacher from this offering. It's just a way we say thank you. All of you know that teachers tend to be underappreciated, underpaid. And so this is just a way for us as a church to say we recognize you, we see you, we love what you're doing. Thank you so much for ministering to our kids. And so that's what this legacy offering is all about. And so I just wanted to put this in your hands because I want you to be praying for it. We're not going to talk about it. It's not for four more weeks. We're not going to be talking about it anymore. But I want you to take this, pray about it, ask what God would have you to give in a way that's above and beyond what you would normally give, and just talk about it and begin putting money aside to be able to give in that. That's December 10th. All right. Now, this morning, as we continue on with this legacy series, I want to give you some values that's going to take for you to leave a godly legacy. And the first value is, number one, it's going to take faith. It's going to take faith on your Part. And when I talk, when I'm saying faith, I don't just mean belief. Because faith sees something. Faith sees something that's not really there in the natural. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, I don't like it the way that it is, I see it another way. And so that's why legacy people see it. I see my family in a different way than it currently is. I see my school in a different way than it currently is. I see this Austin area in a different way than it currently is. I see America. I see the world in a different way than it currently is. That's what faith is, folks. Faith sees it differently. And I want you guys to dream I want you to hope. I don't want you to allow the terrorist activities and the chaos that's happening in this world to, to stifle your faith, to stifle your hope, to stifle your belief, because that's just the work of what the devil is trying to do. You need to see it through the eyes of faith. Pastor Ross, who's our senior pastor, he wrote the vision of one chapel from this perspective. Why don't you listen to this? I see a church where people can experience the life-altering presence of Jesus, where worship is so pure and passionate that people are miraculously transformed, healed, and strengthened in God's presence. I see a church that's so radically consumed with the presence of the Holy Spirit that we become empowered witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen to that? I see a church with a deep commitment to helping people move from where they are to finding freedom from their fears, failures, and wounded yesterdays. I see a church where community and relationships are so actively cultivated that vulnerability, honesty, and acceptance become the life-giving characteristics of a vibrant spiritual growth formation. Let me say amen to that one. I see a church where every person has the opportunity to discover their God-given purpose, supernatural gifts and life-giving roles in the church in order to collaborate with God's great plan for our lives, for our community, and for our mission in the Austin region. Can you say amen to that? 
I see a church where people are intentionally and tangibly growing in the character and competencies of Jesus, becoming his followers and his disciples, where every person is empowered, trained, and encouraged to make a difference in the lives of others. Can you see it? That's what he's talking about. Can you see? This is what I see for us as a church. I see a church that's intensely committed to demonstrating and communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to every man, woman, and child in the Austin region and beyond. I see a church that is com committing resources, gifts, time, and boundless energy to church planting as part of our mission to, take, to, to place the gospel in every community in the Austin region. Ten congregation in ten years and more. Can we say amen to that? I see a church that is so willing to help the poor, to heal the hurting, and to act on behalf of the marginalized within our church that there will never be a reason for anyone to call us divisive, hateful, or uncaring. I see a church that's so steep in generosity that we can meet any need, purchase any building, and achieve any goal for God's purpose in our city, our nation, and in the nations of the world. Can you say amen to that? I see a church full of artists, creatives, and culture influences who use their gifts for the sake of the gospel and God's kingdom purposes in our region. I see a church where business owners, entrepreneurs, and innovators receive Holy Spirit ideas for serving others and finding solutions for the common good of the Austin community and beyond. Can you say amen to that? I see a church that is a multi-generational family where each generation is not only aware of the others in the family, but collaborative, respectful, loving, and always leaning towards the next generation. I see a church that's so committed to the unity of the body of Christ that people everywhere will recognize Jesus in us and be astounded by the love, healing, and forgiveness we show towards one another. Say amen to that. And here's one more. I see a church where joy, optimism, and faith contribute to a culture of hope and expectation that God is for us, with us, and always active among us. Amen? That's what faith does. Faith sees things differently. Faith's not distracted by what you see and what's happening in our world or what's happening in your individual life or your family. And that's exactly what Jesus told us to do. In John 4, verse 35, it says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. You see what he's doing? He said, look, oh, open your eyes, folks. Not just your natural eyes, but look. God is doing something. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? God is doing something. He is moving. He's not slumbering. He's not sleeping. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten your relationships. He hasn't forgotten your job situation. He hasn't forgotten the schools of this Austin. He hasn't forgotten. So he said, open your eyes. Look at what's happening here. See things differently. And so that's the number one thing that we need to do as a value for creating a godly legacy is that it takes faith. And then number two, it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. We kind of like the word faith better than sacrifice, don't we? Come on. But it does. It's good. If you're going to lead a godly legacy, it's going to take sacrifice. Anything that you want to do of significance is going to cost you something. Come on. Right? Anything that you want to do of significance is going to cost you something. That's why we have to continually lay down our agendas. We have to continually lay down our conveniences. We have to continually lay down our comforts. And I think this is so hard for us to do because in our core nature, we are selfish. 
We want what we want, and left alone, we're going to divert towards self-centered ways. And so we have to intentionally choose it. That's what legacy people do. Legacy people choose it. We choose to not just live our lives for ourselves. We choose to build a church not just for us, but for the people who are not here yet. We see what's to come. And so as a result, we choose to not just do it for us. We choose to not do it just a church for all of you over here are 50 or older. But we choose to build a church for the millennials and the Gen Ys and the Gen Alphas that are coming. All of you people here had no idea what I just said, did you? But we choose to do church to lean towards not just those of us who are 50 and older, but for the younger generations that are yet to come. We choose it. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now, how does that happen? By offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He feels the essence of legacy is rooted in sacrifice. The essence of legacy is rooted in sacrifice, and that's what the story of the Good Samaritan is all about. If you know the story, how many know the story of the Good Samaritan? That's what it's all about. And 2,000 years later, we know this story because it's all about how he allowed a hurting person to interrupt his agenda. I love how Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. described this in one of his sermons. Listen to this. He says, one day a man came to Jesus and he wanted to raise some questions about some vital matters of life. At points, he wanted to trick Jesus and show him that he knew a little more than Jesus knew and to throw him off base. And so he asked him, and just how would you define neighbor? Now that question could have easily ended up in a philosophical and theological debate, but Jesus immediately pulled that question from midair and placed it on a dangerous curve between Jerusalem and Jericho. And he talked about a certain man who fell among thieves. You remember that Levite and the priest passed by on one side. They didn't stop to help him. Finally, a man of another race came by. He got down off from his beast, decided decided not to be compassionate by proxy. But he got down from with him, administered first aid, and helped the man in need. Jesus ended up saying, this was the good man, this was the great man, because he had the capacity to project the I into the thou and to be concerned about his brother. Now, you know, we use our imagination a great deal to try to determine why the priest and the Levite didn't stop. At times we say that they were busy going to a church meeting, an ecclesiastical gathering, and they had to get on down to Jerusalem so they wouldn't be late for their meeting. At other times... We would speculate there was a religious law that one was engaged in religious ceremonies when was not to touch a human body 24 hours before the ceremony. And every now and then we begin to wonder whether maybe they were not going down to Jerusalem or down to Jericho, rather to organize a Jericho Road Improvement Association. That's a possibility. Maybe they felt it was better to deal with the problem from the casual route rather than to get bogged down with an individual effect. But I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that those men were afraid. You see, the Jericho Road is a dangerous road. I remember when Mrs. King and I were first in Jerusalem. We rented a car and drove from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this as a setting for this parable. 
It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You start out in Jerusalem, which is about 1,200 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, 15 or 20 minutes later, you're about 22 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the Bloody Pass. And you know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking and he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to draw them over there, lure them from their quick and easy seizure. And so the first question the priest asked and the first question the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question before you tonight. Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to my job? Not if I stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to all the hours that I usually spend in my office or every week as a pastor? The question is not if I stop to help this man in need, what will happen to me? The question is, if I do not stop to help the sanitation workers, what will happen to them? That's the question. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter to me now because I've been to the mountaintop, and I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And so I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he preached this on April 3rd, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee, just a few hours before his assassination. Talk about perspective, right? And that's why the question is not if I... Stop to help this man, what will happen to me? The question is, if I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And that's why legacy people make a choice to live sacrificially. And the number three, to leave a godly legacy, it takes generosity. It takes generosity. See, folks, legacy people give it. We Give. Psalms 112 verse 9 says they share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. That's what legacy is all about, folks. And that's why I want to implore you this holiday season to be generous. Be generous. Don't just think about yourself. Don't just slide back into your selfish, self-centered nature, but to actually be generous. Take a, take a bunch of these cards with you. We've been handing these out and just say something extra to show you God loves you. And think of ways of how you can bless somebody, um, whether it's in, in a coffee shop, you're, you're pay for their coffee, or you're in a line at the grocery shop, and you pay for their groceries, or you're in a line uh, at a fast food place, and you, and you, 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 pay, you pay for their, their meal. Think of ways of what you can do to make a difference in somebody else's life. Marilyn Henderson, some of you know Marilyn Henderson around here. She shared the story with me last week. She wrote this. She said, I just had a very lovely God encounter. This morning I paid for the order of the lady in the car behind me at McDonald's drive-thru in Bee Cave. I told the clerk that the woman was not expecting me to pay, and I asked her to give her the one chapel card. 
there was quite a line, so I couldn't just quickly drive off, and I heard this thank you from the car behind me, and I responded with a wave. My food order was delayed, so I had to pull forward and wait. Sure enough, the lady behind me parked her car and came over to mine. She said that she had just moved to Marble Falls two months ago from Pennsylvania, and she's looking for a church. We shared a hug, and I asked her a few questions. She's a 911 dispatcher in Marble Falls, and her 18-year-old son is going to St. Edwards University. She also has a 14-year-old. We just told her that he wants to join a youth group. They're Catholic, and so I'm not sure if one chapel is the right fit for her, but I do know that she received a message from God today. Thank you, Russ, for giving us the tools to seek out encounters like this. That's what we were talking about, folks. It was just a simple thing, a simple way of just doing something to say, you know what, God loves you. God's thinking of you. God is for you. Just the simple act of that. We have a bunch of these out. Please take them. We have them in English. We have them in Spanish. Take a bunch of them. Put them in your wallet. Put them in your purse. Put them in your car. And so you're always prepared just to, to be generous. And then number four, to leave a godly legacy, it takes urgency. It takes urgency. Listen, folks. It takes urgency to realize the special moment in history in which we live. It takes urgency to realize that there are incredible opportunities that lie right in front of us. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he said it this way. He said, we are now faced with the fact that tomorrow is today. We're so confronted with the fierce urgency of now. In this unfolding conundrum of life and history, there is such a thing as being too late. This is no time for apathy or complacency. This is a time for vigorous and positive action. It's so true, folks, that we need to wake up to the time in which we live and the, what legacy people do is they do it today. Legacy people see it differently, and so they do it today. We realize that this is our moment. This is our time. We realize that today really does matter. Apostle Paul says it this way in Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Say this after me. Say, God help me, God help me. to live my life. As if this is the day that will be remembered. Say it again. God help me to live my life as if this is the day that will be remembered. Let's pray here. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this amazing day today that you created, that you ordained. I thank you for this weekend of what you've done with the young people on this retreat Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our families. I thank you for how you're waking us up. I thank you for how you're waking your people, your sons and daughters up to understand the moment and history in which we live. And so, Father, I pray for every single one of us. Lord, this slide towards selfishness, this slide towards self-centered living, that, God, that you would wake us up, that, God, that you would turn us, and, Lord, that we would be people, men and women, young people of faith, Lord, that we would see this world differently, that we would see these circumstances differently, that we would begin to see what it is that you are doing and take these steps of faith, that, Lord, that we would be men and women of sacrifice, that we lay our lives down for you and for others, that we would be men and women of generosity, or that we would give 
generously and not just live our life where everything that comes into our life, that we don't just spend it on us, that we live our lives in such a way that it outlives us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us become people of urgency, where we would see this moment differently, that we would see today differently, that God, that we would see this time differently, we would leave our lives with a sense of urgency, that now is the moment, now is the time, that God, that you would do this in our lives and in our hearts, I pray. We're gonna take communion here this morning together. And the Bible describes for us that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so do this in remembrance of me. I always say this, that this table represents a question, a question that has to be answered, a question that Jesus presents himself to us. And he says, I have given you my life. Will you give me yours? And that question has to be answered time and time and time again, because there is this slide towards self-centered living. And maybe the reality has been this last week has been all about you. You've only been concerned about you and the selfishness has just been eating you up. Well, take this moment to say, okay, God, forgive me. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for living my life just for myself. And right now, right here, I make a decision to lay down my life. As you lay down your life for me, I make a decision to lay down my life, my comforts, my conveniences. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, there's no time like the present right here, right now. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I was just thinking of a shooting that happened last week in a church service much like this and how people's lives are changed that fast, that fast. And you can respond out of fear, you can avoid crowds. You can avoid trying to come to church, but that's not the answer. The answer is settling your eternity because we don't know what tomorrow is. You don't know how one day you can come to church and then a whole family can be wiped out just like that. You don't know. And so that's why the, God says, now, don't wait. Don't wait a moment longer now. And you can, do, you can settle that issue right here, right now. Just ask Jesus to come into your life and the security that that gives you. You don't have to live in fear then because your eternity is settled. 
So I want to invite you to come, and we're going to do communion here together. There's two tables right up front, and, and how we'll do this, we'll start with the front row, and you'll exit on your right, and you'll circle around, you take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice, and then circle back into your row. And right there, just have that moment with God where you have that conversation. You make that decision. Let's do this here together. I'm going to have our prayer team just come up forward here, and they're just going to linger here, and these men and women are here to stand with you, to pray with you. I don't ever want you to leave a service where you don't have somebody stand with whatever you're going through to be able to pray with you. This may have been a difficult week for some of you. There may be things that are going on in your life and things that are rattling you. And, and so these men and women are here to stand with you. And they're just, they'll just hang out here for however long they need be between services here. And so I want you to be able to make yourself available to that. And I want to just speak a blessing over you here. Why don't you grab a hold of the hand, the people that are around you, if you would, please. Just spread throughout the aisles. And let me just speak this over you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and now give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.